Hi, everybody, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter, and he is with Further Still Ministries. And this little show we are doing now, if you're just joining us for the very first time, is called Solid Steps Radio. We wanted to do a show for men, by men, talking about things from a man's perspective. Think about the view, but with men. A lot different. Okay. <laughs> a lot different, bro. <laughs> so we just wanted to say, hey, guys, we talk about sports, weather, and politics, and that's good, and that's okay. But we need to be able to have conversations about the eternal things, the things that matter most. And that guys sometimes steer away from those conversations, and we needed to be able to be a tool. And we, by no means do we have all the world's problems answered in our little bitty show here. But we want to be able to do be a tool in your toolbox, men, to say, you know what, I want to be better equipped to have conversations about things that matter for eternity. And we believe here on Solid Steps Radio that you are not fulfilling your destiny as a man or woman, if you're listening, if you are not walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That being said, walking with Christ is not just going to church one day a week. It is, hey, you know, it's a Monday through Saturday gig around here. So we wanted to tell the story that God was writing in men's lives, and we also wanted to talk about what we need to do to be better equipped to walk solidly as a man with the Lord. So that being said, we're talking today on a topic that is really hard uh, to, to hear for a lot of men, um, but it's something that is a necessary conversation to have. Now, a lot of numbers get thrown around. I don't have any hard numbers in front of me, but there is billions upon billions of dollars safely that is being spent on sex trafficking and the sex industry. Today, we are gonna talk about a small piece of the puzzle nationally, locally here in America, and what that looks like, because most people when they hear sex trafficking, they may think over there. But the reality of it is, it's in your own backyard, and today we're gonna talk about a couple people that did not start off thinking they were gonna having a conversation today about sex trafficking, but here we are, and we're gonna talk more about that and how we can play a part and a role in stopping this. So welcome, Brian Seitz and Gene Allert. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. It's great to have you We're both. Looking forward to it. Yes, and, and Gene, uh, you know, our guys aren't used to a woman's voice, but we are thrilled. I could talk deeper. <laughs> <laughs> the term rose among thorns really yes, sticks out. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. very much so. Anyway, so hey, you you two are involved, and Gene, you are really the expert in in here. But let me just pick up Brian here. Brian, you and I have known each other for 20, probably about 20 years. Yeah, and, going on 20 years for sure. So, so uh, brother, you, um, you've been a worship pastor. You have, you're a campus pastor. You've been in ministry for 25 Five years. years. And, um, and now you, you're still in, in pastoral ministry, but God is also in, in, has had you lead and, or be a part of this ministry of sex trafficking. And how do we, um, we live in this world where women are being um, trafficked, mm -hmm. uh, girls and and women. How in the world did you get started with that? You know, I, I tell people regularly that this is an issue that we never sought out. We never mm -hmm. scripted. It wasn't a ministry plan that we thought we would engage in our community where our campus was located. It literally was God brought somebody, a young woman, to our literal doorstep and we had to figure out what we were going to do in response to that and i would say we were as ignorant as 
could be in, in, in what this even involved and what it looked like and how we could help and if it was even real and true. And it was almost unbelievable, but it's just like God would not let us get away uh, from, from her. Uh, my wife especially would be the one that uh, responded just so obediently, uh, which maybe often happens in our marriage relationship, that uh, she takes those first <laughs> first steps, and um, and then I gladly see where uh, what the Lord's doing through her. But um, that, she, that was that was when your eyes were really opened to the the sex trafficking world. And oh, I'd say we had no idea, you know, and certainly no idea, you know, as Chad said at the beginning, no idea that this is happening in our little. Kentucky community, you know, that this is in a middle-class neighborhood, uh, you know, five minutes from my house, and this is someone who holds a regular job at a reputable corporation in our in our community, and I, I just think we would—I'm I'm not even sure I would have ever even thought of the words or known what sex trafficking was, and yet this story unfolds, and truly, like, I think we would have looked at it at the beginning and thought, well, here's a— abused wife. Here's a battered woman. Here's a, uh, a timid lady. Uh, wouldn't even let me put my arm on her shoulder, you know, when she came forward kind of for prayer. And it was certainly unusual, but I don't know that we would have had any context for what was behind the door, you know, so to speak. And the more the story uh, came out of certainly abuse, uh, her abuse as a young girl, and then... So it started, this woman... It started out as a young girl. That's right. She was uh, she was abused by a family member as a child, and uh, and Jean can maybe even speak more to that. You know how common that is, especially in our uh, area here, the familial uh, abuse and trafficking. But she was abused as a young child, and then it became kind of the only life she ever knew, as she was used as a uh, commodity, sold to men, to parties, to, you know. So, so she, she grew up, and then she, she got married, and then her, her family. Yes, and uh, her, her stepdad was part of the equation there, continued to um, use her in that, in that way. Her husband uh, continued to use her uh, in that way. And again, all this happening in a Midwest middle-class, normal, small-town community, and uh, so much so that as we're, you know, I I can't tell you how many times, Kurt, I'm sitting in my car with my wife, and bits and pieces of the story are coming out, and we're just going, you know, we're looking at each other, like, this just can't be. This just can't be. It's so, uh, you know, it's just so out there (laughs) from our sheltered experience that it just was almost too much to believe. And we found ourselves going, I just don't even know if if I'm willing to entertain the possibility that that kind of evil, uh, that kind of perversion exists, you know, in our backyard. And it was, again, as if the Lord put it right there and said, you know, you're going to see this woman— <laughs> You're going to see my daughter. You're going to see this issue and help help men, help the church mobilize to do something to to see her like I see her. And we, I want to talk more about that. We will in in the next segments. But Gene, 
Uh, I'm going to come to kind of your story now. So, I mean, your your eyes are opened. You and Carissa, mm-hmm. um, through that experience mm-hmm. at your church, Gene, uh, you you were educated in you you were gonna you were you actually teaching? You were teaching, and now God has you full time. Explain to our listeners what you were doing full time. So, what we do now at the Samaritan Women Institute for Shelter Care is we're establishing faith based shelter programs across the United States to minister and particularly to fill the gaps of care across the U.S. so that we can minister to the individuals that have been victimized in this way. And and you're specifically you are working because this is boys and girls and women, but you're just specifically. Uh, Ladies, no, oh, no, oh. we're building up shelters to serve anyone. Oh, oh, okay, I didn't understand that. That's great. Now, prior to that, that's a that's a whole lot she just said in about fifteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, <right>? yeah. <laughs> I want to rewind because your resume can can you tell us a little bit because you planned from the very beginning to do what you just said, correct? Yeah, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> take me back to those younger days back in the uh, the plains of Wisconsin or the fields of Wisconsin. How'd you get? here in about two minutes. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the story is even more complicated than we were having in, but but God just knits it together in just such an amazing way. You know, I came into the world of anti-trafficking around 2007, and largely because, like you, Brian, um, the Lord put somebody in my path, and uh, I was kind of minding my own business, and I had an encounter with this woman on the streets of Baltimore, and something about her just said, go talk to her. And we sat on a stoop for three hours, and she tore my heart out. And I didn't understand how did a 19-year-old girl who grew up in this little town with a single mom and, you know, Tinkerbell on the walls in her bedroom, and everything seemed couldn't be any more sort of normal. And here she is now. She's addicted to Oxy, and she's on the streets of Baltimore, and she's being sold. And the last four years, she's been run up and down the I-95 corridor, Uh and so that was a similar sort of moment where you just say, I, I can't understand. You know, there's such an obstacle to being able to understand this. But I was doing a presentation for a group of church women, and I had this r- miraculous experience. And so we're going to hear about that experience. I had to stop her mid-sentence because there's a whole lot to hear, and I don't <laughs> want to do it in 10 seconds. So we're going to take a break, and in the second segment, we're going to pick up and hear about that event and how that she got here to, uh, from that moment. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. I want to thank our sponsors for today's show. We want to thank Ellen and Credit Union. They've been a local lender and financial institution in this city for decades. They've been helping people do their commercial, private, you name it. You need a loan. Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you. Vision First Eye Care. If you need to see contacts, glasses, or just your overall eye health, Vision First Eye Care, 11 different cities in the Kentucky area, six in Louisville alone. You're more than just a set of eyeballs to them. You are a person. And then Frank Enterprises, if you have, they are professional septic tank landscaping wastewater management services. Well, that's an impressive resume, isn't it? If you've got water at your house that's outside of your home, not going where it's supposed to go, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. So, uh, Brian and Gene, it's, I'm just fascinated by how this, how God has brought you guys to, together to do ministry. But, Gene, it all started, you know, you were born in Wisconsin, but there was an event that happened, in, you said, in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And to, to where, take us to, to that fifth grade event to where you are in about 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So how about the, maybe two minutes? Crazy thing was, I was, yeah. I, I, 
I was living in Bangkok, Thailand with my family. And I think it's important to note that if you think of somebody in sex trafficking work, you think, oh, you must be in Bangkok, right? No, I'm in Baltimore. But at one time, I lived in Bangkok. And when I was a very young kid and my parents allowed us to just go wander, I had wandered off. And I wandered down this street and I got lost. And there were these very nice women who invited me into this storefront and they started putting makeup on me and doing my hair. And I was lost. And it wasn't until my mom came tearing through the front door with that terrified look in her face. And I knew I'd done something wrong, but I didn't know what I had done. It wasn't until years later that I realized that I had wandered into a brothel. And there, by the grace of God, my story would have been completely different. Wow. So wow. just in thinking about how everything gets knit together, but my trajectory, to your point, Chad, was so different. I was a teacher. I was an internet consultant. I worked for the CIA. I ran my own company. I was in internet consulting. And so I've always been on the systems sides of things. And I think that's the gift that he uses in me now, is I think of this whole problem as a system and a problem to be solved. Mm. Huh. And and then I, I talked, I mean, you went... You went back to school and got your uh, ministry. You got a master's in ministry. Is that right? I have a master's in education, a master's in divinity, and a PhD in psychology. Yeah. Why don't you pick up the pace a little bit? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about law school, so stop <laughs> it. <laughs> so then, you know, you then kind of fast forward this 19 year old that you really encountered, and, and that was God's call divine appointment to you moving forward to doing what you are doing full-time right now. Yeah, I think that there's something to understanding when you have what I call a holy rage. Something touches your life, and in both Brian and my situations, it was a person, and it becomes incarnate, right? And now, all of a sudden, the problem has flesh, and you can't forget it. You can't forget the face, the name. And so Heather will always be the one that the Lord used to say, Okay, well, you can shake your fist at me and say, why aren't you doing something about this problem? But I sent Heather in your path, so pick up the pace. So um, <laughs> that's what I had to do. So talk to our listeners right now about the, this problem that's all over our country. It's, it's worldwide, but you are really versed in what's going on in our country. Absolutely. And again, I kind of thought I'd be overseas when this, but the more I realized that this was a domestic problem we don't want to talk about, the more that became a part of the puzzle. And I think that's a big part of why we need to have shows like this is because we have to bring it out into the conversation. You know, the numbers are all over the place, but just some of the recent numbers just here in Kentucky over the last five years, there were 698 cases of child sex trafficking, of which 47% of them were at the hands of a family member. The University of Texas at Austin did a study two years ago on the problem in their state, 79,000 children just in that state being exploited. And so and then there are states that are not doing studies at all. So the numbers are elusive and there's not one place where they're collected. So we don't really have good numbers. But frankly, you know, as Christians, one is bad. Mm. And one is horrible. And there's thousands, tens of thousands. Talk about what your ministry does with these ladies. When we started in 2007 in Baltimore, we were doing restorative care. So we had opened up a large home, brought women in. They could stay with us for two to four years. Uh, it was a complete rebuilding of their lives, 
giving them support academically, vocationally, spiritually, socially, just the whole package, right? Because these lives have largely been uh, demolished in many ways. And so we were teaching them to, to walk again. And so we did that for about 12 years. And that's when we began to realize that this is a problem of service gap across the United States. And we just had enough people saying, we wanted to learn from your model. So how can we replicate it? And so now we're really in a multiplication business. You know, how can we take what God has given us and how we've learned and how can we raise up people in their own communities to do things? But I will say this, particularly for this show, one of the things that made our program unique was we incorporated a lot of men in our program. And and so that was different. People often think, oh, this must be a place that only women can serve. This must fall under women's ministry in the church. And that is such an error. So um, how, how have you incorporated men into this ministry? I mean, that, that was my—when when I heard, Brian, that you were a part of this ministry, I was like, hey, w- we need to understand this, and we, because I, we have a passion to, to connect men into ministry and to do kingdom work. So mm-hmm. talk about how guys are involved in your ministry. Well, I think we have to just say that this is a problem that begins and ends with men. <laughs> if it weren't for the demand, right? And only that demand and that desire can be arrested by men. And so that is the large portion of the problem. It's about 98% of the victim population is female. The majority of buyers are male. And so we need men to engage, but they can engage in terms of awareness. The ways in which men can speak to other men is something I can't do, present moment excluded. (laughs) But But I think also speaking into the lives of young boys You know, there are some terrifying statistics coming out about the way young boys are being indoctrinated to see women and the fact that the average age of induction to pornography is seven in America and it's on a cell phone. It's not even being taught by a man in your life how you be a good man and how you treat women. So they're learning their sex education from global content that is more violent and more uh, degrading than anything that we grew up with. And so we have to have men speaking into prevention, awareness, but we used a lot of men in the program itself. You know, you might find it interesting to know that 70% of the women that we served in 12 years grew up in fatherless homes. And so to, to put forth the assumption that, oh, they're afraid of men, that's not true. They're a lot stronger than some of y'all. Um, right? They're not afraid of you, right? That's not the problem in, in many mm. ways. Or even to say something false, like you can't say God the Father because they've got all these daddy issues. My goodness, our experience is the exact opposite. They are desperate for that hole in their heart to be filled by a godly man. Mm. And believing that there could actually be a man that would love her after knowing everything she's ever done, John 4, right? Mm-hmm. That that is their deepest heart's desire to be in that kind of relationship. And so we need men who are willing to step in all kinds of ways, whether that's prevention, awareness, victim services. But do you have time for me to tell you one good story? Yeah, yeah, we'll take a break. Um, sure. No, share the story and then we'll take a break. One of the amazing things that we did when I had women time again ask me, what was it like to grow up with a dad? Hmm. Broke my heart. And I so I said, well, what do you mean? What are you asking about? And they're like, well, isn't there stuff that dads do that we didn't get coming up? So I quickly garnered a list from them of the things. And then I went up my churches and I said, give me some dads. I need dads. Right, And we organized a whole series of Saturdays where dads came in 
And they showed the girls how to change oil in their car. They showed them how to change a tire. They showed them how to light a pilot light. They had to do campfires. All guy stuff that dads would teach their daughters. And I'm going to tell you, the men walked away far more changed than the women, but it was good all the way around. Wow, that is, and so, oh, that's, and you're trying to see that replicated all over the country. All over the country, because you can't say we're going to take these women and girls and restore them to a world that men don't exist. That's not reality. We have to help them have healthy relationships wow. and model it while they're in the program. And so, Brian, when you, I, I mean, that, that's got to be your heart as you got connected. That's where I have felt like, personally, my role uh, has been to be, I, I don't know, I want to use the word champion, like a pat on my back, but to be yeah. a voice in the yeah. church going, church, men, women, like we need to, we're in the communities, we're in the business place, you know, we need to um, come alongside uh, the experts, and I don't think we can replace what the shelters are doing. I don't think we can replace what trauma-informed care does to care for these women. But golly, we can do exactly what Gene just described. We can love, we can serve, we can uh, engage this in meaningful ways. And I love the church enough to want to be a, a pro-church voice in that space. That's awesome. Fantastic. We're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to talk a little bit more how these two can, they sit across from a table with one another, but they work with one another. We're going to talk more about what that looks like on a boots on the ground Monday through Friday kind of day-to-day basis here on Solid Steps Radio. On the break, we have a lot of laughs. If you want to hear what we'd say in the breaks, you can go to our Facebook page and like Solid Steps Radio, and you can see in the entire behind the scene uh, goofing around and how we get through this show. You can like us and, and see that uh, videoed. Uh, but also, we want to thank our sponsors for, who help us become a, uh, a show without uh, a podcast they can have without commercials. Uh, we want to thank Louisville Podcast Studios, who we are in their studio right now, and they are on taking care of filming Recording, if you want to do a podcast, professional-looking, professional-sounding, podloo.com, that's P-O-D-L-O-U.com, that's Louisville Podcast Studios. Bright Star Home Care, if you have a loved one who needs 24-hour care or one day a week in-home care, Bright Star Home Care, that's brightstarcare.com, they'll take care of you. And then Dan Hart Financial, if you want to talk about finances, retirement, what does that look like, what's the best way to do it, Dan Hart can take a look at your finances and uh, be able to put you in that right direction. So Brian and Gene, talk, talk to us about how, just real quickly how you guys connected and what really is happening with how, how do we continue to make a, the church aware and how do we gain some serious victory in this whole sex trafficking thing? Yeah, you know, our church has partnered with Gene and the Samaritan Women for 11 or 12 years now, and so I would say I was vaguely aware of the work they were doing, the ministry they were doing as a missions partner. And it's a whole other story too long to get into here, but my wife was, uh, we just say, assigned by the Lord to go on uh, what was called an immersion trip at uh, in Baltimore with Jean and the Samaritan women, where they spent some time on the streets, they spent some time in the home with some of the residents that they were caring for at the time. And it was right around the time that we had uh, met this woman in our community. And so, again, the Lord was just putting some unmistakable pieces together and you know we describe it much like uh, i always forget if it's the red or the blue pill but you know once you you can't unsee it right like once you swallow the the red pill uh you can't you just can't undo that and so carissa 
went was, of course, broken by uh, the stories that she heard and the lives that she that she saw and came back. And God was just weaving that together in in His own way, in His own time. And so, really, over the last four or five years, now the more that we have desired to be equipped in this personally to to address this issue, the more then that we have desired to mobilize and leverage the church community to engage in this issue. Uh, we've just put Jean on speed dial, you know, and asked her to come and do awareness trainings, to come and do um, training for uh, building up a team of advocates in our church who could who could love and serve these women. Uh, we've been given a, the real privilege of getting to meet with several of the shelter leaders that Jean is involved with across the country, uh, again, just in terms of hopefully inspiring and encouraging them in the work that they're doing. Many of them don't have uh, churches that are closely connected and involved in what they're doing, and so just to come alongside them as the broader church community and hopefully put some wind in their sails as well. And so it's just been a blossoming uh, ministry partnership over the last several years. How, how do these... You know, we in in the break we talked about these men. It starts out as boys, and talk about that, Gene, from your perspective, and, and from a woman. We want to hear from a woman's perspective on how how this happens in a, in a, where a, a a man eventually is buying for sex and going down this horrific road. Yeah. And you know, it, just like we say in our field, nobody wakes up and wants to be a prostitute, right? The same is true. Nobody wakes up as a man and says, I want to be a predator, right? That That's not aspirational. But we have to understand that there's been a long grooming process on men. And now, these days, the average age of introduction to pornography is at seven years old, and it's over the phone. And so it's a lot of things that you as a parent don't see. And so kids are being introduced to a wide array of very violent and very degrading relationships and non-relationships. So from a very young age, they are seeing content that positions another human being not as a dignified child of God, but as a commodity, right? As something for my pleasure or my consumption. So we begin to productize individuals. So you fast forward that, and now we have the average age of a child having sex in America is 12, so that's the first time that they're having sexual intercourse in this country. And then you fast forward that story, and if that, that child goes off to college, uh, a boy will buy sex for the first time at age 22. And so we have to back that up and say, that was a long period of realizing that by the age of 22, I now don't see you as another human being. I see you as something for my usage, right? And so we have to interrupt that flow. That's where the church can make its greatest impact, is to realize that society, Satan, is working against us at a very, very young age on these kids. The content that they have access to, the socialization, the hypersexualization in our culture. I'm not being prude about, prudish about this. I'm just watching the signs of the times. And so when we have the way sex education is being taught in some school districts, and you look at that and you say all of that is hammering down on the psyche of our children, and we have to be a stronger voice. So the church needs to be about the fortification of the family, right? The fortification of those relationships. The greatest insulation that a girl has from being exploited is a relationship with her father. So be present and let her know that when that 
hoodlum comes by with his pants on the ground and he's i have a lot of names for him but um (laughs) when that character comes by and says i'll be your daddy she says nope sorry already got the best one thanks talk some other uh some other things that as as dads with their little girls to continue to prepare them to not even begin to go down that road yeah, I think that the way that we enculturate girls to hate them, hate their bodies, uh, the way they look at themselves, the way they are formed at a very young age to be very competitive, woman to woman. So I think that only a father can breathe in that level of acceptance. I love you just the way you are. To normalize things like the adolescent changes that girls go through, you know, the ugly phases and those types of things that. I have to say adolescent boys are pretty darn ugly too, but you know, but we have to love them through that. We have to love them through that. And I think that sometimes men are so afraid of when their daughter is changing into a woman that they pull back and say, that must be the woman's role now. Mm-mm. And that is absolutely the moment for a father to press into her life and make sure that his presence is well established and well entrenched because he is that guardian at the gate. Gene, talk to uh, the man right now who like, well, I, you know, my, my daughter's, you know, the, the potential if you, if he doesn't do that, how it happens at the college level, uh, how, how, how the, um, how, how his daughter is now 12 and fast forward, she's now going to be 18, 19 years old. She goes away to college and how she can be trafficked um, in college. Sure. And we have to understand that this is already happening in high schools. There is a whole network of uh, trafficking networks that operate out of high schools. I just came out of the Baltimore area and we had four high schools. Um, Northern Virginia had a case where eight high schools had trafficking rings all running through the high schools. So we have to not create some false line of demarcation that this only happens after the age of 18, Yeah. right? Um, because unfortunately, what we're socializing is younger and younger and younger, right, for what is supposed to be attractive. And so we have to, uh, we have to go as far back on that age spectrum as we have the courage to do. And I would say as young as your child is even beginning to discover about their bodies, it's time to start talking about bodily integrity and what's private and what's, you know, those types of conversations need to happen. But we also have to see that this whole field of sex trafficking doesn't have that taken you know, image to it. That's maybe 1% of what really happens. And so, you know, the the things you see on social media about the zip ties or the people in the, you know, parking lots with the vans and all of that, like, stop the hyperbole. What we have to understand is the vast majority of recruitment is happening over these devices. They are happening through uh, social media. Um, TikTok is a big one right now, but that may not be next year. And so we have to understand that it's the people who have access to our children 24-7, right? And they have access in a world we're not privy to. So the apps, there are apps that are specifically designed to look like one thing to a parent, but they're completely different once you get inside the app. And so I'm looking at your face and you look bloody terrified right now. So I'll Uh, shift. uh, (laughs) I'm just like, I'm just amazed at how dark this is so the grooming really starts with both men and women absolutely you're groomed as a child as a man to see women as a product women are groomed to be seen as a product and how they can can use their bodies and their life with power 
you mentioned there's a site, a couple, we'll talk about this in the next segment, but there's a places that, you know, when they get to that spot as a woman, they're, they're being uh, courted by these places. And it seems very innocent because they have still have the power in their minds. These women are given this power. So we're going to take a break. I'm babbling, but we're going to talk a break on the next segment and talk more about what we can do to help combat this here on Solid Steps Radio. We want to thank the sponsors of our show, Southern Smoke Catering. They are a barbecue-only catering company. Chris Hadley and his crew, they are award-winning. You will love them. Southern Smoke BBQ Catering KY.com. Their sandwiches are better than their website name. <laughs> it's hard to. It's Southern <laughs> Smoke true. BBQ Catering KY.com. If you have an event in the local Louisville area, you need to call them up to do some catering. Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal and his crew will take care of your teeth. And if you need some good family-friendly and just a great atmosphere, Dr. Eric Veal will take care of you. And then Veritech Generators, if you need a generator for your home or your business or you need to have your generator serviced, Veritech Generator will take care of you. Gene, I want you to talk to us guys about the power of our role as dads and the role of pornography. And and then I want you to unpack, uh, you know, how, how do we address our little girls and pour into them because you mentioned in the break, I think it was that the target audience for the sex trafficking is, I mean, starts at a young age. What talk about that? Yeah. So the average age of recruitment in the United States, we have to understand is nothing to do with high school or junior high. It's 11 to 13, right? In that age is when, you know, that is when the target, right? That, that is a prime target. They're incredibly vulnerable. They're just on the precipice of puberty, right? And so that is, that is a fragile time for children. And so that is, makes them very vulnerable. And so that's a big target. And so that's where we have to have the family coming alongside these kids in such a strong way, and particularly the father, because there's a lot of identity formation that happens in middle school, right? You're figuring out social groups, you're figuring out who you are, and that voice of particularly the father in a young girl's life is so vital to crafting how she will see herself and how she will see relationships with other men going forward. So when a dad is aware of of all of that and he's pouring into his daughters as young girls, fast forward now, the, the difference between when that happens and when it doesn't happen. I think one of the things that we just have to put on the table as a, as a truism is that if that dad is hiding his own secrets in, if he's not fully engaged in an authentic way with his wife, with his family, right, with his daughter, he's bringing shame into that relationship, he's making excuses in that relationship, or is he abdicating his responsibility in that because he can't reconcile in his mind, well, here's my private life, right, and then here's my responsibility as a father. And I think first we owe it to ourselves to attend to our own, right, our own walk, and make that uh, straight up. And if that means that we have to form more accountability, I would love to see more of that. I'd love to see more groups or relationships where men are holding each other to account and saying, you know, look, I I know you're struggling with this. You know, there are some great uh, websites and tools and apps that men can use just to get into peer groups to hold each other accountable to help them out of this sin so that they can be fully present with, you know, with their own children. Yes, amen. 
Brian, talk to us about your role and how you're helping other men within the church in this whole area of sexual integrity. Yeah, you know, I I, I love that these words that Gene just said a minute ago um, are sticking with me even right now, this idea of identity formation. And, you know, we've been talking even in the breaks, so often we go, what What can I do? What can I do? I want to, you know, I'm going to kick down a door. I'm going to go rescue. I'm going to go beat up a bad guy. And I just think that we have to go back to this idea of who we're going to be. And so, men, who are you going to be? Dad, who are you going to be? Are you going to be a man of of holiness and purity? Are you going to be a man who honors and loves and cherishes your wife? Are you going to be a man who protects and fights for the heart of your daughter and shows her that she's valued and loved? Are you going to be a man who sharpens another man? You know, are you going to be a man who calls out um, something that's countercultural? Are you going to be a man with higher... Who are you going to be? And I just think there's such um, power in calling men to be the kind of men that that God has called us to be, that God created us to be uh, long before we start trying to figure out... A, action list of what we're going to do or, you know, a house we're going to build or, a, you know, whatever those whatever those steps look like. Decide who you're going to be. Yeah. God calls us to be uncommon. That's right. He calls us to be. The, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Mm. Not, not. I hope you're that. I hope you're that. No, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And God calls us to live the uncommon life. And listener, if you are out there right now and you do not have a, a, a church family, if you do not have connection with another godly man, first of all, you got to pray and mm. say, God, I need, I need help, and and I need another man in my life. And then I, I we want to discourage you. We, I, I wasn't planning on going down this road, but we, the power of confession of our sin, mm. and and being able to say, I, I that was me. I've done it. I, I confess my sin. The Bible says that when we confess our sin to one another, there's healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the beginning of of how how do, how do we move forward? That's right. You know, Kurt, I was having a radio conversation well, some years ago, and a gentleman contacted me afterwards, and I, he said, um, uh, I, I want to know what pathway there is out, right? And I thought he was talking about for the women. And so I started talking about that, and he goes, no, 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 that's not what I mean. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe he's an exploited male, and, and he's looking for help. And he's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. And I said, okay, then I'm not following you. And he goes, I want to stop buying. I have maintained a three-year relationship just virtually with this gentleman because he's trying, he's struggling. Where's the help for him? Why is he reaching out to me? I mean, I'm glad he did, right? But there needs to be a place where men can go and be with other men to work through these issues, right? If, if we don't have another man in your life, you will never be able to walk in victory. I mean, we we have to walk with the man, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, but it, it, but we part of the body of Christ is the hands and arms and the other the other guys in our lives. We have to have other men in our lives so that we can walk in integrity. That's right. Our friend John tells a story in our little community of uh, a neighbor, you know, a few doors down from him who 
has had young women uh, hired to come to his home, you know, regularly. And John speaks life and light uh, and the goodness of Christ into this man. He knows who John is and knows what kind of work John is connected with in addressing this issue. And some time ago, John would tell you, he came down, brought John a $100 bill and said, I was just, something convicted me. I don't know if he used that language. Uh, I'm going to give you this money that I, that I was going to spend on having this other, having this woman come into my home. And this man doesn't follow Christ. He doesn't claim to be a Christian, but something about the the light and the life of John in his life is beginning to make a difference. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about. Who are you, who, who's in your path? And men, whose path are you getting in to disrupt what is becoming so ordinary, so common, so accepted? Um, uh, who, who's, whose life are you speaking light and life and conviction and freedom uh, into in a way that could be transformational? Yeah, God is all about light, order, and beauty. The enemy is all about darkness, chaos, and confusion. Mm-hmm. And um, our time is up. And Gene and Brian, thank you a ton. Thanks for well, thanks for having uh, us. Thanks so much for sharing. Thanks for what you are doing for the kingdom and for the benefit of others. But Brian, would you pray us out? And would I'd you pray to. that us men would we would step up? We would be men of courage. I'd love to. Yeah, pray, please. Absolutely. Uh, God, I do pray for every man who's listening, and for those of us sitting right here, that we would be, uh, that we would be these bold men of courage and holiness and faith um, and power, not our own power, but uh, mm-hmm. your power at work in us, the Spirit's power alive in us. Uh, God, that we would be men who love like you love. We would be men of holiness because you're holy. That we'd be men who lead and love our families well and protect our daughters well. God, that we'd be men who keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and throw off that sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run this race with perseverance. Uh, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. SamaritanWomen.org. SamaritanWomen.org. That is the uh, organization that Gene founded. And seven years ago, when we started Solid Steps, we wanted to do a show for men. And I asked myself the question, praying, do we really need to do this? And here's the answer that came back. The majority of the problems in the world fall at the feet of men. You name it, it falls at the feet of men. Get the man, you get the family. And if there was not a buyer, there wouldn't be a market. And men are buying this product. Men, we need to be the ones stopping the consumption by walking with Jesus Christ and walking in purity. Thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio.